Pastor Xavier Reese and a reason to rejoice in sufferings. Second Corinthians 1 5, Paul says, For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Whatever God allows me to go through, as difficult as it may be, He will be equally in proportion sufficient for the consolation, the comfort, the strength to go through. You understand that? Bottom line, He will be sufficient. If He calls you, He will enable you. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. This simple truth from 1 Peter 4.13 is a reminder not just that we are not to be surprised when pain and suffering hits home, but that God is able to use sufferings to His glory. And from one apostle who knows suffering all too well to another, it's the sufferings of Paul that provide us with a lesson on the pastor's call to sufferings. Pastor Xavier begins with the title of today's Simple Truth Study. The message is entitled, The Pastor's Call to Sufferings. Whenever there is a commitment to godly priorities, remember that sufferings are inevitable in the life of the believer. And so Paul the apostle here reveals how he is able to experience and overcome the sufferings in his own life in these verses. And remember that Paul was called to a personal life of suffering, which the Lord Jesus Christ communicated to him on the road to Damascus in chapter 9 of Acts, verse 15 and 16. Now, there are some people that God calls to sufferings, but when he does that, he enables them, all right? That's the important thing. And through the immediate context here, it is related to Paul the Apostle, but certainly we don't want to pass up the practical application and principle for each one of us. Because we all go through certain sufferings and trials and everything, and again, God equips us and He has enabled us for that. Otherwise, He would be the God of confusion and contradiction. And so there are three spiritual principles here given to us by Paul in these verses that not only allow him to endure, but to be victorious in his sufferings. Uh, it's not just biting the bullet and getting through it. it it's, it's going through it and coming out changed and victorious in Christ Jesus. And so let me read here verse 22 to 24 and I'll give you the three principles. 22 says, And see now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy, and the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Here are the three principles that made him endure and be victorious in his sufferings. First of all, Paul was spiritually bound. He was spiritually bound. Secondly, Paul was spiritually prepared. And Paul was spiritually conscious. In other words... He had his full faculties. Very, very important. So let's begin here with Paul was spiritually bound. Listen to the words. And see, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem. Paul was a man whose spirit was bound to the spirit of God. Literally, it says this. Listen carefully. Having been bound by the Holy Spirit's revelation and direction. Compelled. Directed. This is the first thing he tells us. He's telling to the Ephesian elders. He's handing the church over to them. Now secondly, notice the principle here, verse the rest of 22 and 3. 
Paul was spiritually prepared. Not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations wait me. The disciples that tired later on would tell Paul through the Spirit of his sufferings in Jerusalem in chapter 21, verse 4. Also, the prophet Agabus will prophesy that Paul would be bound by taking his belt and tying himself in Acts 21, verse 10. Now, some have interpreted those things to be contradictions, but it isn't. We've already established that he's being spirit-led, spirit-bound. He's being directed by God. Those are not prohibitions. Those are warnings to prepare Paul for it. But when people look at him, his friends say, Don't go, don't go, Paul, because they're tied emotionally. They love Paul. They don't want to see him bound. But to the Philippians, he writes, What are you guys doing? I'm here by appointment. And by the way, the Praetorium Guard says, Praise God. They got born again. And some are hoping to add to my afflictions when I preach. And others are being encouraged by preach. What do I care as long as Christ is preached? Paul was there by appointment. You understand? There were warnings, not contradictions. The Holy Spirit of God wasn't directing them and then trying to stop him. God is able to stop Paul, as we've seen. When he didn't want him to preach at Bithynia in the regions of Galatia, he didn't let him. When God wanted him to be someplace, he directed him. The vision of Macedonia. So there's no contradiction. Now notice the words used here describe our descriptive prophetically. So they're prophetic, saying that chains and tribulation await me. The word chains means uh, shackles and it meant a loss of his freedom. But to Paul it didn't make any difference. If this was the will of God, then he was God's servant. It didn't bother him. The word tribulation means afflictions, anguish, trouble, persecution. The idea is of pressure together, causing pressure, uh, of compression. The call of Paul was one of suffering as a vessel of honor for Christ, Acts 9.16. That's what he was called to, a vessel of honor. And so you know as you read Paul's epistles, uh, Ephesians 3.1 and many other portions, he never called himself a prisoner of Rome. He called himself a prisoner of Jesus Christ, willfully. Paul was constantly in danger from the very beginning of his ministry, as you know. As he was chased out of Damascus after the three years of the Arabian ministry with Jesus. He was led down over the wall, out a window, down a basket. He scurried to Jerusalem. And then in Jerusalem, he got too hot to handle. So they sent him up to Tarsus on R&R for several years. And he ministered there. He was stoned to Lystra. He and Silas were beaten in prison in Philippi, as you know. He was sent away to Thessalonica and escorted to Berea. Not to mention the list that he gives to us in 2 Corinthians 11, 24 and 25 of the shipwrecks of being stoned and of being beaten with rods and on and on and on. Welcome to biblical Christianity. <laughs> we read the New Testament with colored glasses, ladies and gentlemen. And we think the church is what it's made in America. It is not. I'm in no hurry to suffer. But if God has it, then it's going to take place. He'll take care of it. But He's going to enable me. You understand? But I don't want to interpret the church as we paint it in America. Or Christianity. It's very, very dangerous. He maintained a prayer life as we read his epistles. And everything by prayer and supplication. First Thessalonians 5.17 and First Timothy 2.80 speaks about prayer. He has many of his letters. Pray for us. 
He was a man of the word, as you know. The pastoral epistles, 1st, 2nd Timothy, Titus. He writes doctrine, 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 the word of God. 2nd Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. All scriptures given by inspiration of God. Literally expired from God. Profitable for doctrine, correction, and instruction. That the man of God may be thoroughly, completely equipped for every good work. A man of the word. And he was a man of the spirit. We've seen this. He's being directed, guided, controlled, ministered to, prohibited, limited by the Spirit. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. When you put the Word of God and the Holy Spirit together, you have the conclusion of Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beg you by the mercies of God that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto Him. That it's your reasonable service. And don't be fashioned to this world system, but be transformed, metamorphosed, by the renewing of your mind to prove what is a good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Listen to Paul and Peter. 2 Corinthians 1.5, Paul says, For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Whatever God allows me to go through, as difficult as may be, He will be equally in proportion sufficient for the consolation, the comfort, the strength to go through. You understand that? Everybody always asks, what is the purpose of the book of Job? Here it is. Don't miss it. God is sufficient for whatever goes on in your life. Bottom line, He will be sufficient. Romans 8, 18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Sometimes we get so bound in this life, we lose sight of what God has in store. In 2 Timothy 1, 8, Paul says, Therefore do not, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, His prisoner, but bear with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. He's telling this to young Timothy. According to the power of God. If He calls you to go through something difficult or even suffering, He will enable you. He's not the God of confusion. He's no liar. He will be faithful. Peter puts it this way. 1 Peter 4.13 But rejoice in the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Rejoice now as you go through things. It doesn't mean that you're, you know, you get hit by a car. Oh, praise God. That's, you know, you know, no, we're not morbid or anything like that. But we understand that, all right, Lord, I'm in your hands. What do you have now? And I commend myself to Him. He has a purpose for that. He has a purpose for everything. And whatever happens through natural causes, He's not out of control. And He will use that for His glory. You understand? Everything. First Peter 4.19, Peter's counsel is practical and wise. Listen to him. Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God. Ooh. Now, why doesn't these positive confession people touch scriptures like that? They attribute them all to the devil. That's unbiblical, ladies and gentlemen. Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to Him in doing good as to a faithful creator. A faithful creator can allow me to suffer according to His will. Absolutely. He's sufficient for it. Paul was a spirit-prepared man then, right? Notice thirdly. Paul was spiritually conscious. Spiritually conscious. But none of these things move me. Nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my, court, my race with joy. In the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Notice Paul was not concerned about his life more than the gospel. This is crucial. This is very important. 
None of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself. This is the problem with this life. It's a distraction, the physical at times. None of the sufferings, not the situations, not the difficulties, not whatever it may be. He's not moved away. He's focused. He was not discouraged by all the persecutions throughout his ministry. Not one iota. I'm not saying he wasn't bummed at times. I'm not saying he didn't have difficulty at times. But he looked to the Lord. You understand? Paul had a proper perspective about life and death and the physical level. He did not value his life greater than the purposes of God. We get so caught up in this life, oh, and we enamored with this life, and we love ourselves, and the, and the world says, well, you got to love yourself before you can love others. Listen, you start loving you, you won't have time for anybody else. That's our problem. He didn't value his life. This is it. I am love with myself. It's me, myself and I, the trinity of darkness. He had died on the Damascus road to his will, his purpose, his desires. That ran contrary to those of God. He told the Philippians that his desire was to magnify God in his body. Be it by life or by death. Because for him to live was Christ and to die was gain. Philippians 1, 20 and 21. And God will give you some tests through life. When you're, you're faced with death. You're faced with difficulties. You're faced with choices. Do I obey God or do I not? Every day of my life. You see, Paul was concerned with... Finishing his race with joy. Not just finishing. It's not just biting the bullet. Man, it's over. No, no, no. So that I may finish my race. Very personal. My race with joy. The Lord Jesus had prepared a course marked out for him. It's an athletic metaphor here. Used for the Christian life. My course is personal. Yours is personal. My course will reveal everything as I've stated for what I need. My weakness is everything out and yours. Your course, if I ran it, wouldn't do nothing for me. If you ran mine, it would do nothing for you. But mine, man, mine is custom made. It will reveal every weakness, every carnality, everything that is opposed to God. For the purpose to make me more like Him and less like me. That's the gospel in a nutshell. <laughs> Paul the Apostle expresses this clearly. He understood it. Of the race and course God had prepared for him. And he applies it to every individual in Philippians 3, 12 through 16. Where he says, one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind. This is where people miss it, right from the beginning. They're always looking back. They're living in the past. One thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind. And pressing forward to the things that are ahead. That I may lay hold on that for which I was laid hold on for. I press towards the mark for the high call of God. How are you doing in the race? You jumping those big walls? You going through those dark tunnels? You walk in that plank that's only three inches wide and you're barefooted? The race demands discipline as an athlete. Sacrifice as a soldier, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 27, 1 Timothy 2, 4. Stamina, endurance, commitment, focus. By His grace, by His Spirit, by His Word. The petition of Paul was fulfilled, as you know, as he um, finished his course, but his, 2 Timothy 2, 1-7, he says, You therefore, my son, 
Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me, among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlists him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hard-working farmer must first be partaker of the crops. Consider what I say to you, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. If you were in the military, you know that you went through basic and then you went through some advanced training. Then they gave you your orders. You didn't choose them. They gave you your orders. And wherever you went, you've been prepared. The word, therefore, perfect means to make complete. The root word is the same as the one that Jesus said in John 19.30 from the cross. He says, it is finished. It is finished. What? The work of salvation. Because he did not consider his life dear to himself. Here Paul like his master, did not consider his life more valuable than the ministry and mission God had called him to do to preach the gospel as he's going to lay on us here. Notice Paul was concerned with being faithful to the ministry he had received of the Lord. And the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. The word ministry, you're familiar with the diakonia, for deacons, same word. The office of being a servant of God, to do the work of God. The ministry is given to him by Jesus, as you know, on the Damascus Road. To preach to Jews, Gentile, and to kings. The ministry consisted of testifying to the gospel of the grace of God. The gospel is the good news that God has sent his son to die in our place that we might be saved from our sins. That's good news. The grace is the unmerited favor of God that is bestowed upon us. We don't deserve it. It's given to us. We have nothing to boast about. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. We're saved by grace through faith, not out of ourselves. It's a gift of God. And so he considered himself a steward of God, as he tells the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. Under roar, those people on the tri-level of the ship that rode the hardest, and they died first because their oars were always in the water. An under roar. He counseled Timothy the same in 2 Timothy 4, 5 and 8. He says, but you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of evangelists, fulfill your ministry, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. In the time of my departure is at hand, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all those who love his appearing. 2 Timothy 4, 5 and 8. And then, a short time after that, he took his head off. Paul understood who he was. He told Archippus to take heed to the ministry he had received of the Lord to fulfill it in Colossians 4, 17. He testified to the gospel of grace, not man's philosophies or doctrines, throughout Timothy, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, Colossians 2, 8 says, Beware lest you be cheated or, or deceived through uh, philosophy, phileo, sophia, the love of wisdom, the traditions of man, the ABCs of the world, and not after Christ. So dangerous today. Too many people are just seeking long life, a healthy life, a wealthy life. And it's an empty life. You understand? Some people, some, not a lot, some people have a lot of money. They're very alone. That's all they have is money. If you have friends, you have in Christ, you have family members, you have your kids, and you have Christ, you are wealthy. 
Because everything else is going to be left behind, you understand? Not that there isn't a legitimacy with a house, a car, all that. But that's not the focus. That's not where we put our energies. If we follow the Lord, God will add those things. He will give us wisdom and we'll use them properly. But the important thing is the will of God and how we treat one another. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 through 18, he says, For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus our Lord, and ourselves are bondservants for, for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in this earthen vessel that the excellency of the power may be of God, not of ourselves. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, yet not despaired. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. I like the J.B. Phillips translation. Knocked down, but not knocked out. That's good. Always caring about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always delivered to death by Jesus' sake, or for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then, death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believe, and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sake, that grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light afflictions, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, the things that are not seen are eternal. Second Corinthians 4, 5 through 18. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 12, Paul says this. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times, that it might depart from me. And, I, and he said to me, and I remember this is the thorn in the flesh that he had. Three times he went to the Lord. My grace is sufficient for you, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasures in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For His sake, not the ones I bring on myself. For Christ's sake, the ones that He's called me to. For when I am weak, then I am strong." The philosophy of Paul in ministry was one of weakness, not strength. This is where many people miss it in ministry. The weaker you are, the greater hope you have for ministry and for God to work in your life. It's simple, but so difficult for us to yield to that. Paul was a spiritually conscious man. He knew exactly the reality of life. He knew exactly the reality of the gospel. And he had no contradiction within them. He understood the priorities of life. Do we? Those are important questions as we walk through life. And so these are the three spiritual principles given to us by Paul that not only allowed him to endure, but to be victorious in his sufferings as a pastor. Paul was a spiritually bound man. Paul was a spiritually prepared man. Paul was a spiritually conscious man. I made all the difference in the world, ladies and gentlemen. And it will also 
make a big difference in your life and mine if we keep that in mind from day to day. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Pastor Xavier Reese, providing the simple truth for finding a reason to rejoice in suffering. And with just a few moments we have left, we're delighted to let you know copies of today's study titled The Pastor's Call to Sufferings are available on CD for just $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. Now once again, the title to ask for is The Pastor's Call to Sufferings, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us next time for more Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, right here next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com